Well, welcome to Action Reloaded, Neil. It's amazing to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. And congratulations on the release of the Blu-ray and 4K version of Dog Soldiers. Um, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm over the, I've got, got finally got my copy as well. Um, <laughs> Like I kept on seeing everybody was getting their copies and I couldn't see it yet, but um, I finally got my copy. Um, and yeah, I'm really, really proud of it. I mean, it's uh, it's the quality and what they've done with it is just exceptional. It's it's the one we've been waiting for. We had to wait a while to get it, but it's the one that everybody should have been waiting for, you know. You're right there. Um, just like yourself, I got my copy a couple of days ago, and it's amazing. The amount of special features on there is unreal compared to the standard DVD disc you got. I know it's um it's missing a couple of little things that were on the original DVD that Pathé released, um a, a different commentary and a, a some I think some behind the scenes footage or something like that maybe, um but uh, or an original kind of making of with the cast, um but that's it. I mean everything else is like there's tons of new stuff on there, amazing new interview and stuff like that. So yeah, and no, I'm really really happy with it and the book as well. Like it's not just the uh, you know the extras on the thing you got the, the book with the package as well which has got all these essays and things in it. it's fantastic so well done i mean it really is like a collector's item which i think you know the whole uh blu-ray market now is so much more um you know aimed toward collectors because people like us who are kind of keeping physical media alive you know yeah i can't get my head around having everything backed up on like google movies and all that i love to have a physical copy in my hand i agree i agree it's just because those other things just aren't so reliable you know at the end of the day and i kept on reading something recently about how you know all the movies that you bought uh like on iMovie or something like that like technically you don't actually own them having bought them you don't own them so they can like you know prevent you from playing them or whatever it is i don't know what they can do but like um just when stuff like that is going on, at least with a with a with a Blu-ray or a DVD, it's on your shelf. It's there. You can just watch it whenever you want it, and it's yours. Exactly. Like recently, slightly off topic. If anyone's wondering here where I'm going with this, but I was watching a TV series on Amazon Prime, and then I went away. I was busy. Came back to it two weeks later, and I couldn't pick up where I wanted to leave off because it was like buy the rest of the series or rent the episode for two forty nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's not hasn't moved on that much more from like you know the days of blockbuster video that you, know, <laughs> you have to return it within a couple of days. It's like you rent something, and if you miss that deadline, you got to rent it all over again just to pick up from the the last, you know, whatever thing that you've missed. So yeah, very frustrating. Well, back to dog soldiers. The most important question I think people would ask is: at the time of making, did you know the movie would be a cult success? Uh, I had no idea that it was going to go on to be quite the cult success it has. You know, I certainly didn't think like 20 years later, people would be, you know, buying a, a beautiful new Blu-ray of it uh, or anything like that uh, back then. Or, or, you know, I'd still be getting interviewed about it back then. Um, I knew I was like going to be hitting certain fan base with it, you know, a certain fan base with it because I was part of that fan base. And ultimately, I made this film um, for myself as much as anybody um, cause it was the kind of movie that I wanted to see and nobody else was making it back then. So it was like, um, so I, I knew that at least, you know, if there's anybody else out there like me, that there, that, that there will be a following for it. Um, but I didn't quite know 
how much of a following it was going to get and that that following would resonate for you know it's now kind of become a generational thing it's like yeah. you know now you know dads are passing it on to their sons and things like that it's like that's great that's amazing um and werewolves werewolves is an interesting choice to go for did were you always into like werewolf movies and the wolfman Werewolves were always the the of the classic monsters. The werewolves were always the one that just clicked with me the most. That that I was more I was interested in, just vi- not not just visually, but um you know the visual side of it of the half man half wolf. I thought it was just you know the, the half man half creature, or the were the wolf walking on hind legs kind of thing. I just found out that image much more terrifying than you know Dracula in his cape or you know the mummy with his bandages and all that kind of stuff. So that was the one that clicked with me, but. You know, there's a reason that there's not so many werewolf movies out there is because they're the most difficult to make. Because um, werewolves are the most difficult to create. You know, a, a half decent yeah. werewolf. So, you know, that that takes money and it takes effort and it takes imagination um, to actually create werewolves, which is why they're not done so much. You know, and even nowadays with CGI to help, um, they're still not done a lot because pulling off a convincing CGI werewolf is just as difficult as a convincing practical werewolf. So. Um, you know, we've seen bad examples of them plenty, but uh, yeah. So, I, and, and everybody said, you know, for my first feature, it was wildly ambitious. Um, it should have t- tackled something much simpler and smaller, but it was like, no, this is what I want to do. I want to do werewolves and soldiers and action and explosions and things like that. And just, you know, make it ambitious because if you're not going to be ambitious, what the hell? Why, why bother? Exactly. Couldn't agree more. And werewolves, as you said, it, it's either a hit or miss. Um, how long was it into production you saw the final werewolf costume? Because, carry on, what were you going to say? No, I, I mean, as I say, um, I'm just trying to remember now because <laughs> you know, we, we were developing the script for quite some time. And, and during that time, it was like six years, we were developing the script to get it made or raising the money to get the script made. Um, and quite early on, we had some very rough concepts for the werewolves um and then that got more and more developed and then ultimately having um uh, um uh, bob keen and his team uh and a guy called dave bunnywell who uh kind of essentially designed the final version of the werewolf and he built this maquette it's beautiful 3d maquette thing of it and it was that combined with the script that caught the eye of uh david e allen who ultimately ended up financing the movie um, so we were we had a good idea of what the werewolves were meant to look like, but until we actually got into production and Bob started putting the pieces together and we hired these uh these three dancers, um really tall, lithe looking, agile dancers, because I wanted them to be kind of graceful in their movements. And uh we put them on stilts, and so you know, they were like seven, over seven feet tall. Um uh, maybe it's like nearly eight feet tall or whatever when we were at full full height, uh, with the full with the stilts with the dancers and then with the head on top. I mean they were huge, um, but I can't remember exactly when it was when we finally saw them, you know, in costume for the first time. Um, I, I I mean it was it was obviously we were quite way down the line, and committed at that point. So, um. But thankfully, they looked amazing. They 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 didn't handle so well because the uh, um, the the whoever was wearing them, the only thing they could see out of was like a tiny little hole in the mouth um, that they looked through. 
and so get very very limited vision and when you put them on stilts as well i mean they, they really really struggled but you know quite more often than not we we ditched the stilts and just filmed them sort of close-ups and things like that did you have to um do loads of digging into werewolf law um or were you already a big aficionado that you could just jump straight in uh well when i was when i was writing the script i did a lot of research um the 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 main book I referred to is uh, it's called The Book of Werewolves by the Reverend Sabine Baring Gould, which is a great name. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of like the first significant text on on werewolves. And it's it's quite a well-known book. And, and so I read that and I, I kind of got, got hold of any other research I could about werewolves. But I knew roughly what I wanted. I mean, ultimately, you know, they say the same kind of thing. You know, it's, it's the, it's the man-beast hybrid and take that as you will as to quite how much man and how much beast. But I knew that I wanted something that looked like a wolf, but walked on, you know, hind legs, like a human. I think that that's humanizing of them makes them more terrifying to me. You previously mentioned as well, that the script had been in works for about six years. Was there any, was there many changes made to the script over them six years? Nothing dramatic. It was, it really was refining. I think, um there might have been some more slightly elaborate sequences in the, in earlier drafts that we might have had to sort of tone down a little bit I, I i honestly can't remember i mean we did 18 drafts by the end by the time we filmed it and um all all that really did was just make it better because it was mainly refining the story refining the characters you know all, all the setups and payoffs that you you put in these scripts and stuff like that. i mean it really gave me the chance to to work hard at making it the best it could possibly be um, but I can't think of any like really you know, dramatic stuff that didn't end up making it into the film. Another big rumor as well about the movie was that lead actor Kevin McKidd injured himself during filming and then you replaced him with Statham. Is there any truth in that? Uh, no, it's kind of, it's actually, it's the other way around. Uh, that about, God, it must have been about two years before we actually finally made the film. Um, we attached Jason Statham to play that role. Um, and he'd literally just done Lockstock uh, about that time. And I was like, I, I just, I saw Lockstock and I was like, that guy has got something about him. That guy's going to be a star and we should get him in our movie. So like he agreed and signed, you know, he was, he was kind of there. He was on board to play Cooper. And then, um, you know, the money didn't come through and things got delayed and, and he stuck with it for a while, but ultimately he ended up getting an offer in from, um, Ghosts of Mars, I think it was, uh, for John Carpenter, and and he came to me and he said, "Look, I've got this offer, offer, and you know, is your film going to happen anytime soon?" I said, "Well, I've got, you know, there's no guarantees, um, but frankly, if you've got an, if you've got a chance to go and work with John Carpenter, you should totally do it." So, um, so he went off and did did that, and you know, the rest is history, um, and 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 so we didn't get him in Dog Soldiers, but you know, we got Kevin McKidd instead, which frankly was was a better result, I think, for the movie. You know, I'd still love to work with Statham one day, but uh, on something different. And then uh, who knows? Do you still think the movie would have the same cult status if Statham had been in the lead role? It's it's really impossible to say. I mean, you know, it, it, it's would he have been a team player? Who knows? Uh, you know, the, the encounters that I've had with him over the years, um, he's been gracious and 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 friendly and lovely and and he's a really really you know down to earth bloke. Um, so I've got all the time in the world for Statham. 
I couldn't tell you whether it would be the same film or not. What I can tell you is what did happen. And, and you know, with Kev and Sean and that lot, you know, those guys were thick as thieves, the whole gang. You know, they, they would have fought and died for each other by the end of that movie. They were so tight, you know, as, as a group. You know, they really, really solidified as a bunch of mates. Um, so, you know, that worked out well for us. And it didn't work out too badly for Statham either. So. <laughs> you know, because the, the other one is, um, is Simon Pegg as well, because we'd offered... Um, uh, Simon Pegg, the role of Spoon first, because again, I, I'd seen him on TV on Bill Bailey and stuff like that and thought, that guy's got something, he's going to be a star. I'm quite good at spotting these stars, it would seem, just, uh, you know, they, they don't end up in my movies. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, we offered him Spoon and, and uh, he, he came and met with us and it was lovely to meet him and he was, again, he was very gracious and lovely and he said, I, I, I'd love to, but I can't, I promised Edgar I'd do Shaun of the Dead as my first feature. And, you know, I, I'm going to stick by that. So, you know, thank you. It was, uh, and it was great. You know, it's just, I, I, I admire that kind of loyalty in this business. You know, it's, it's rare. So uh, for him to do that was, was, was fantastic. And we got Shaun of the Dead out of it. And then again, you know, it, you know, we, the audience are winners all around because we got Darren Morfitt as Spoon who absolutely killed it. So, you know, and as far as, far as I'm concerned, there's like, there is no other person to be Spoon as Darren. It's like, he, he, you know, he became that role uh, or, or that role became him, one of the two. Um, so, you know, I said, we, it, it's a win all around for us because we get Dog Soldiers with the cast that we got. And those other guys have gone on to make some amazing movies. So, you know, not not bad. And did you know while you're writing the script, did you, were you like, the this Spoon character is going to be a hit amongst the fans? It... Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, it became that he was a character that suddenly he was very familiar to me. It was like this northern lad who was just like, I always like associate Spoon as being a bit like a terrier. It's like you know he's the kind of the smallest member of the of the platoon, but he's like the, he just is tough as nails. He just he, and I've, I knew people like that growing up in Newcastle who were like just up for fights or for you know they just wouldn't take any shit from anybody. Um, and I thought that Spoon. So he kind of like he was a pleasure to write. The spoon character you know it, it kind of came quite easily to me to write that character um the the ballsy little brit terrier you know and, and i and i think um i think darren really kind of you know got into that kind of character as well and just brought that magic to it um so i had some inkling and as soon as i wrote the the the, the hand-to-hand fight with him and the werewolf and it was actually like it was always going to be a fight but it was darren because he's a boxer who brought in the uh, the kind of boxing moves to it, which I just thought worked absolutely perfectly. That he could like duck and dodge and dive. This thing was like fantastic, and we didn't kind of overdo it. There's just enough in there, and it just and it worked a treat. Is it true as well that you changed um, Spoon's death scene and made it more off camera than on camera? Uh, well, I mean, it was always you know we didn't adjust anything. We just I cut out a bit that showed him um he was kind of pinned up against the wall and his his bottom half had been kind of ripped away and all his innards were falling out you know onto the floor and it was, he was being held, held up against the wall um it was pretty grim but i did I, did, I honestly felt that he was such a loved character it was best for him to go out on that last line you know and not see him after that yeah uh, was perfect so you know it, and i think that that was the right choice you know it missed a gory beat but it was the right choice but yeah actually i, I missed the question before that you you asking about kevin the kid being injured uh yes kevin uh either cracked or indeed broke i think he just cracked 
uh, a couple of ribs when he was doing the training for filming because this this ex-French Foreign Legion soldier that we had um, uh, as advisor on the film, he took the boys out into the woods and had them running some drills and you know doing all this kind of stuff. And I think Kev took a dive and landed on a rock or something and cracked two ribs. And, uh, and this was like a day before the start of filming. And uh, he kept it quiet because he was scared that we'd replace him. Um, so he finally told us at the end of the first week and we were like, yeah, I think you better go and see a doctor. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like now you've grimaced all the way through the first week and made it it's like, let's see, yeah, time to see a doctor. <laughs> so and he was fine. He was fine. Dog Soldiers features so many memorable moments. What was your favorite scene to film? Um, I don't know. There's so many. Like, I I love filming all the action stuff. Uh, every time we got to blow something up was great. I <laughs> I I literally was like just grinning from ear to ear when we were blowing up the car and the barn. I'd not really done anything like that before, so you know, and they were quite big explosions and all practical. So it was that was fun. Um, I really enjoyed filming the sequence at the end where it's just Kevin and Sean in the kitchen, um, and it was literally just those two and me and the camera guy in the room with them. And we didn't quite know how it was going to play. No, they were just running with it. And the energy in that room was really intense because um, it was also like it was like Sean's last day. And, um, you know, you could kind of feel it in the air. And because we filmed the majority of it in story order. So, you know, because we had to, because we were smashing up the, um, the, the cottage that we we're in, we were just <laughs> destroying it room by room by room. So we couldn't go back and and you know rejig something when we we've blown this room apart. So we had to film it all in story order, which was great for us. But it did mean that like by the time we got to an actor's last scene, it was like quite emotional. So certainly that day with with Kevin and Sean in the kitchen was was incredible. And the number one question you probably always asked: sequel talk. So <laughs> where would you have gone with the story? Um, and what direction would you go now? Um, there was there was a few options knocking around at the time. One one was, and I've and I've discussed this before. I don't know the rumors out there that uh, I had this idea of doing a trilogy with Cooper, uh, and kind of battling a different kind of supernatural element each time. So you know, I think there was going to be a a, a either a, what was it going to be? I think the second one was going to be vampires or zombies or something like that. And then there was like you know it's going to be something else after that. Um, that was one thought. And then another thought was literally to, to carry on the story where it left, literally where it leaves off. Um, and that took it in a totally different direction, but was much more of a kind of direct sequel also involving werewolves to continue the whole werewolf trend. Um, and if, if I was going to be able to do a sequel, which I'm still fingers crossed, touch wood, hoping to, um, it's that direction that I'm leaning in to, uh, uh, essentially, kind of pick up the story twenty years later and see where see where Cooper's at and and what's going on in the world. And would you do you still speak to the cast of Dog Soldiers? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I was lucky enough. You know, Sean came along for the screening uh, at Fright Fest, uh, which was great, and we got to watch it together for the first time in twenty years, and <laughs> so that was great. Um, I still keep in touch with Kev. He's, I mean, he's full time on Grey's Anatomy most of the time. So, I've tried to get Kev in other movies since then, but he's always been working on his TV show, so it's never quite worked out. Um, but I'm, I'm longing to work with Kev again, uh, and you know, and I've, I have just worked with Sean again, and will work with him in a heartbeat any time, any time of the week, really. Um, 
uh, you know, the same goes for the others. It's like I, 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 I'm in touch with Darren a little bit. I'm going to go to see him at this signing we're doing in October. Um, and I mean, the others, some of them have actually just vanished off the face of the earth. Like literally, we tried to find, uh, we tried to find them for the for the, the, the signing. We tried to find them for the the Blu-ray to to you know be interviewed. Um, uh, you know, Emma's now like she's raising raising a family and um she's kind of she's not acting anymore so she's kind of sort of withdrawn from sort of public life which is you know good for her but some of them like um uh like chris like it just literally vanished i don't know where he is or what he's doing i haven't seen him he's not on social media you know you can't agents can't track him down um so yeah and tom lockyer as well can't find him anywhere um but you know les is now living in australia um and uh Liam, I'm still in touch with Liam, hoping to work with him again sometime soon. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, well, those that I could, I've kept in touch with for sure. Um, for sequel talks, uh, I don't know if it has been done, but has anyone ever brought forward maybe continuing on in comic book form? Um, it's not been, or nobody's like you know approached me about it, and and I wouldn't have the first clue about how you'd do it anyway. So I mean. I'd certainly be open to the possibility, but um, yeah, it, it, it could be kind of nice to sort of fill in the last 20 years in terms of, you know, the story and comic terms. I, I, there's quite a few things that I've got going that I'd love to do as like graphic novels, um, but I, I, I don't even know how you where you begin. I wouldn't even know where to begin either. Just write the story. and Maybe, maybe one of your listeners will know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> there's bound to be someone out there with a whole storyboard for... Either yeah. a whole comic or a movie. Do you, yeah. ever get, do you ever get fans pitch movies here? Uh sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know, can you script that kind of thing? It uh it's yeah, it happens every once in a while, not not much, but it happens. So and we don't get some half-baked remake. No, for years I was like dreading the idea that there would be like an American remake or something like that, you know, with kind of Bruce Willis in the in the in the John Pertwee role or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, uh, thankfully, that didn't happen. So, well, Neil, it was amazing to speak with you. Um, congratulations on the release of Dog Soldiers in 4K. And then fingers Thank crossed we'll right. see Dog Soldiers 2 in 4K pretty soon. Yes, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I'll get better get it written first. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time, Neil. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Cheers, Bye. man.